Merry Christmas to you. I tell you, this has been a wonderful service so far. I tell you, there's something rich about this season and the services and the songs that we've been singing. And I tell you, it's just been a wonderful time for me. And uh, as a native Texan, you know, we're not, we're not used to this snow. And I tell you, this is like glorious for me. Every time it snows, it's like Christmas. And uh, coming from Texas, all you get is the ice, okay? And so you get a little, little ice and the whole city shuts down. And uh, so every time it snows, it's great. And I tell you, my mom, she would love this because I got to tell you, she is a Christmas fanatic, okay? Uh, I remember as a kid growing up, okay, we would have four Christmas trees fully decorated, one in every room, okay? Uh, We would have the Dickens Village over here that I was not allowed to touch, always broke things as a kid. Um, We had the nativity set up, and this was all done before Thanksgiving, I actually remember one time being picked up from school. I'm in shorts. It's 80 degrees outside, and my mom is listening to Christmas songs. And I don't know about you, but there's something wrong about listening to Christmas songs in shorts, right? It just doesn't settle well. But, but she loved Christmas, and I, I never quite understood why. And uh, she has some reasons, and I'm going to talk about them later. But for me, as a kid growing up, Christmas was about the gifts of what I could receive, and maybe you were like me and you had your list as a kid. Like I started my, kiss in ju- my, uh, my list in July. Like I had a list of all the things I wanted. You know, you could ask me, hey, Robbie, what you want for Christmas? I already knew, you know. For me, it was all about the gifts. And I, I'm going to show you a few photos of some gifts I remember receiving as a kid. And uh, here's one of my first ones I remember, the Tonka truck. The Tonka truck was pretty awesome if you got one as a kid. Like, these were back-in-the-day gifts. Like, they didn't break. So you could throw it. You could put fireworks in it. You could try to destroy it, but it kept on going. The Tonka truck was awesome. Then uh, I received this. This was a big status symbol to me back in the day. My first, like, 12-speed, all right? No longer was I on the solo speed, but, boy, I had the 12-speed. And that showed you that you were no longer a little kid. You were the big kid, right? And you'd ride the neighborhoods. You had the 12-speed. Everybody looked at you with awe. But uh, that was a great gift. Now, this next one, I would like to say, is what I believe is my mom's best gift she ever received. And here it is. Here's me. (laughs) That's the best gift she's ever received, I tell you. Um... And I know some of you are thinking, I didn't know I would see the other side of Robbie this morning. <laughs> well, there you have it. There you have it. There's me. And uh, you can take that down. Thanks, guys. <laughs> you can take that down. Now, this next gift I would like to show you is the one that really does stick out in my mind. My favorite gift of all time. And back in those days, I loved G.I. Joes. Okay? And some of you go, those were just Barbies. Uh-uh. They're action figures. Okay? <laughs> They're action figures. And so I came downstairs one Christmas morning, and this is what I got. Check it out. This is a G.I. Joe aircraft carrier. I mean, it was awesome. And literally, I mean, you had the F-18. You had all this. I mean, it was just amazing. And it was bigger than life. And I do mean literally. It was bigger than I was. And so I had to push it around and all that. But uh, these are just some of the gifts. Thanks, guys. Uh, These are just some of the gifts I received. And i got to say, I've received many gifts over the holiday season, from birthdays to Christmas, just lots of good gifts. But one of the things I realized through the seasons as I've grown, grown older is, don't the gifts eventually lose their flair? You know, that, that joy that it brought is only for a season, that excitement, you finally get it, and then eventually it loses 
its enjoyment or its wear. It ends up, you know, in the garage sale where you sell it for a buck, and, and, or it ends up in the trash or broken, or it ends up in the closet or storage. I mean, don't these gifts eventually lose their flair? Or maybe for you, it's, it's, Christmas is about the food. Like back home, we do, we do Christmas and Thanksgiving well. We have like a huge buffet of ham, turkey, you name it, all the sides and all the fixings. And we go to town and we eat like crazy and then we have leftovers. But after like two turkey meals, like I'm done with turkey, right? You know, come January, I don't want to even taste turkey. But, but eventually it loses its flair as well. Or maybe for you, it's about the football big college fan. You know, there are over 30 different bowl games being going to be played over the holiday season. And I go, 30? I mean, how many good college teams can there be? There's really not, right? 30 of them. And I go, eventually, doesn't that stuff just get boring? And I really want to ask us, don't we really want more this holiday season? Don't we want more than just the gifts and the time off or the, the time with family? Don't we want something more that actually lasts? Don't we want more? See, as we look in the scriptures from the very beginning, actually in the beginning of the world, there was this longing for something more. And I think that's what our world is wanting. Give me something more. And it looks to everything else. Even the religious people, God's people at the time in the Old Testament were always searching for something more. And we find with Adam and Eve, there comes the prophecy that one would come to crush Satan. And then you hear in, uh, in David's line that there was going to become the Savior through, through, through David. And, and we hear the promise uh, to, to Father Abraham that he's going to be the father of many nations. See, even God's people were waiting at this time. They were waiting for something more. Something more. That even religion wanted satisfied. There had to be something more. And as we look in the scriptures from Malachi into the passage now, you know, we can just flip one page. The difference between Malachi and the New Testament is one page. But back then, that was literally 400 years. So could you imagine being the people of Israel? God has delivered you time and time and time again. You hear these prophecies that the one is coming. The Savior is going to come. And then for 400 years, God is silent. No more, prof- no more prophets, no more prophecy, no more word from God. And they sit there waiting 400 years. It's like eight lifetimes. I don't think we can fully fathom it. And it kind of reminds me as kids, you know, it seems like as kids, Christmas took forever to get here, right? You remember as kids, it seemed like time slowed down. And each day was like forever. When is Christmas going to get here? And I can imagine the nation of Israel felt the same way. One, would God fulfill his promise? We're waiting. We're waiting. Is today the day? Is today the day? When will he arrive? I love the song we sing during the season. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Because it exposes this need and this desire and this longing for something more. Oh, that the king would come. Oh, that the promised Messiah would come. Diedrich Bonhoeffer puts it this way for us. He says that the celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. So are you troubled in soul this morning? 
Do you know yourself to be poor and imperfect? And are you looking for something greater? Something greater to come. Greater than the gifts. Greater than the time off. This world is and was and still is looking for something greater to come. What it's really looking for is hope. It's hope this season. It's looking for hope. One of my favorite movies, Forrest Gump. There's a great scene in there. This is after Vietnam. And Forrest is sitting, sitting with Lieutenant Dan, and they're watching the television as soldiers in Vietnam sing Christmas carols. And they're sitting there. And you have Lieutenant Dan, who has lost hope. He expected and wanted to die in Vietnam. He's a crippled. He has no hope in this scene. And so he looks to Forrest, and he says, Forrest, have you found Jesus yet? And all of you fans of the movie know uh, Forrest Quick-Witted says, I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him. (laughs) But then we watch the rest of the show. And we see how Lieutenant Dan fulfills his promise to be a stripping boat captain, our first mate. And he jumps on board with Forrest, and they go out, and they're stripping out in in the Gulf. And here comes a hurricane. The boat's going crazy, and he's cursing God, which I think is a terrible idea in the midst of a hurricane. But in Forrest's words, after the hurricane's over, Lieutenant Dan makes peace with God. And we then see this transformation that takes place in this man. His circumstances aren't changed. He no longer, he doesn't grow legs, but no, he has hope. And we see a new Lieutenant Dan. See, the Christmas story isn't just a nice little tale. It isn't something we just want to tell our kids or because we celebrate it because we've always done. It's tradition. No, the Christmas story is about hope. And it's about hope coming to a world that so needed it and so is searching for and so longing, but at the same time rejects it. It's too busy for it. It's about hope coming into the world. And see, as Jesus lays there in that manger, God is declaring the hope of the world. As that baby enters the world, He's saying, here is your hope. Here is my hope. Here is our hope. And it would be the event that would change it all. And I love the the song we also sing, Oh Holy Night. And there comes this sweet little line in there. It says, a thrill of hope. And that's how amazing this Christ child is, that it is the, the thrill of hope. That he answers his promises. He would send the Savior, the Messiah. It's absolutely glorious. And I love that the angels, all they can sing is glory to God in the highest. Because he answers his promises. And listen, if you found Jesus, or better yet, he's found you, you have hope this season. You have hope. Great hope. See, Ephesians 2 puts it this way. All of us are in this place at one time. Remember that at one time you were separate from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel. You were foreigners to the covenant of the promise. You were without hope. You were without God in this world. But now, but now in Christ, you were once far away but you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. 
That's where we all were. All far away, but he's brought us near. There's a great quote that's got my attention this week as I was studying to share with you. It's so very beautiful and terrifying at the same time. Here it is. Apart from Christ, you are further from God than you feared. But in Christ, you are nearer to God than you hoped. Think about that for a second. That first part's terrifying. When you are apart from Christ, you are further from God than you feared. Oh, you may have been a good person, but let me tell you, according to the scriptures, you were far. You were far, far away from God, more than you knew. But now, in Christ, oh, you are so much closer to God than you hoped. Oh, that's good. In him, we are closer than we can ever imagine because of what he's done, because of his gift to us. We now have hope. That's why it says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in us. That if I'm in Christ, I have this hope, this hope for the world, the hope of glory, and it is him. So today I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, about the hope we have in Christ. And it starts with this, is that we have hope for our tomorrows. We have hope for tomorrows. See, listen, I find we often get so concerned, so worried about what's next. What's going to happen tomorrow? Is our financial system going to crash again? Uh, am I going to keep my job? We, we get so worried on what's next. Is our, is our, is our, is our country going to fall to pieces? We get so worried into that kind of stuff. And I want to remind you what Jesus says to his disciples. He says, do not worry about your life what you will eat, or, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and, body is, and your body is more than clothes. And he goes on to say, consider the ravens, or the birds in the air. They do not sow, they do not reap, they have no bank accounts, they have no storerooms, they have no barns, yet God feeds them. God feeds them. And then he goes this, he says, how much more valuable you are than the birds. How much more valuable you are to God than the birds. And then he goes on, he says, consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet, I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, how much more will he clothe you? How much more will he clothe you? See, we have hope for our tomorrows. See, whatever may come, hear me, church, whatever may come, whatever phone call we may receive, I mean, it takes just a simple phone call to alter your day, doesn't it? A simple phone call to take you off your high horse and go, man, I'm in trouble. You ever get a phone call about work and maybe I'm getting laid off, a phone call about a sickness or a disease, a, 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 lo a loved one that's been lost? But with Christ and his hope, we know he got this. Listen, God is not an ambulance chaser, right? He doesn't show up at a situation and go, you know what? I don't know what to do here. Robbie, your situation's pretty deep, man. No, God doesn't. There is no surprises with him, nothing, nothing he can't handle. And listen, we don't have to be afraid of tomorrows because we know he's got it. He's got it. 
Luke, Luke 1, verse 37, he says, No word from God will ever fail. And I'm here to tell you, his promises are true about tomorrow. He got you. He got you. So we have hope for tomorrow, and we also have hope in our forevers. Well, what does that mean, hope in our forevers? It means we have hope even in death. We have hope even in death. And let me tell you, our world doesn't quite understand that. How how do you have hope when death is on the line? How do you have hope in this? We have hope even in death because we know one day we'll be with our Father in heaven. One day we'll be there with him. And listen, I think we have a bad ideas. Or less, there's a lot of bad culture thinking of what heaven's going to be like. We're just going to be all maybe in white. Or maybe we're just going to sing songs. Some of you are like, I hate singing, so that's not going to be great. But listen, that is not what heaven is going to be like. It is perfect. There will be no tears, no pain, no boredom. Listen, take your best moments. Take your best joys, your best days here on earth. Times them by ten, and you just got a little taste of what heaven is going to be like. It's going to be amazing. No pain, no suffering, no sickness, no heartache, no brokenness. No, it is all going to be gone. I love the phrase Jesus uses as he's hanging upon the cross. And he looks to the criminal, and he says to him this. Check this out. Today you will be with me where? Paradise. Paradise is how Jesus describes heaven. And when I hear the word paradise, I think of myself in the Caribbean on a beach in a hammock, chilling, right? Wind blowing, right? Maybe drinking my hand. I don't know, you know, just relaxing. Paradise is how Jesus describes heaven. That's good news. See, when we get there, it's going to be amazing that we can't fully understand or comprehend how good it's going to be. And not only that, we're going to be with all those who've gone before us. We're going to see those loved ones that have passed. Hmm, that's good stuff. And we're going to be in God's presence. He's going to be there, and it's going to be amazing. What a blessed day it will be. See, we have hope in forevers. How many of you are familiar with Jim Valvano? You know his story? Okay, a few of you. I wasn't familiar with his story until this week, and I watched a documentary on his life. Jim Valvano was the the coach of NC State back in the 80s. And he was that kind of coach that was just charismatic, amazing, had great vision. Like he believed in his team in 1983 that they could win the NCAA basketball championship. He believed it. He actually had to convince the team He had to convince them because the record wasn't so great. But he said, if we can do this, you can do this. They went on to win 10 games in a row to win it, to win the championship. Jim later in life would find out that he had cancer. And he would fight with all his ability to stay alive. And a couple months before his death, he was honored with an award from ESPN the Author Ash Award. And there he gave an amazing speech. You can look it up online. It is an amazing, heartfelt speech about his last days, about his fight. And here's what he said. He said, Cancer can take away all my physical abilities, but it cannot touch my mind. It cannot touch my heart. 
and it cannot touch my soul. See, that's our hope and forevers. Here's a man of faith, a man of hope, knowing that tomorrow his forevers are in his hands, and he'll one day be with the Father. He's a hero, Jimmy V. So we have hope for tomorrow, we have hope for our forevers, and we also have hope for today. So no matter where we find ourselves, let me tell you this, you're never lost. There's no place where God, where you can hide from God. He is there. Reminds you of what we said earlier, that we call him Emmanuel because he is with us. Do you get that? That he is with you. And listen, I find myself often pray, God, would you be with me now? He's always been that way. Listen, even as Israel in that 400 years of God's silence, God was still present with them. See, we cannot confuse silence with whether he's with us or not because we know what the word says. He's with us. Imagine that 400 years of silence. And in that, if you know your history, in those 400 years, God was preparing the world for the coming Messiah. Preparing the world. Listen, you may go through seasons of silence and troubles, but remember, God is with you. You know, Romans 8, 28, the great bumper sticker, right? The one you put on the coffee mug or on a t-shirt that says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who've been called according to his purposes. And listen, you may just hear that, but do you really hear what that is saying? That God is working all things in your life for your good and for mine. It's not just a bumper sticker so then I can know whatever trial, whatever trouble may arise, he has my best in mind. Sometimes the answers to our prayers are no. Sometimes we may not even know why we went through something. But we can look back on the situation and go, you know what? I may not need to know why, but I know him. And I know who he is. And that he's good. And he has my best in mind. He has my best in mind. And he has yours as well. As I mentioned earlier about my mom loving her Christmas season. I'll tell you a little bit about her story and why she loves it so much. See, when my mom was young, she remembers her mom getting sick. She remembers the the many different appointments that she was often away for, and she didn't quite understand it. Eventually, months later, her mom died. Found out that it was cancer leaving her dad with six of the siblings, and it was just quite a change, to say the least. So then 15 years ago, my mom was diagnosed with that same cancer. And I remember that Christmas season. It's one you don't forget. I remember that it was a very trying time for our family. I remember my mom getting sick because of the smell of the turkey. These are just things you remember for some reason. I remember getting sick just because of the smell, and she hated it. Uh, I remember my grandfather praying and fasting and how the family gathered together. I remember her losing her hair and the wigs and how I tried to put them on and make, make her feel better and make her laugh. And I remember those times, but, but what I do remember, when you think there wouldn't be hope in this situation, there was. 
I remember the family gathering and praying and, and seeking God. And I remember my mom, just the hope she had. Not sure what the outcome would be. But listen, I'm here to praise God with you. Because 15 years later, she is still alive and cancer-free. Amen. 15 years. And, and on Facebook, she, she just put this photo up, and she has a little tagline underneath it. And here she is with 15 fingers representing the 15 years celebrating cancer-free. And here's what she had to write. 15 years cancer-free, exclamation point. She said, thank you, Lord, for each and every healthy year. You allowed me to be here and to watch my children grow up. Smiley face, smiley face. Amen. Thanks, guys. You can take that down. See, there's hope, guys. There's hope in any situation. Whether in the valley or in the mountaintop, there's hope. There's hope for today. There's hope for tomorrow. There's going to be hope forever because we're going to be with our King. And listen, God always keeps his promises. And there's no limit on his strength. And there's no limit on how he can heal. And there's no limit on what he can provide. There's no limit with God. He is capable of doing it all. And listen, in Christ, we are secure in his arms that he never lets go. He never lets go. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament I'll share with you it's about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And before they're about to be thrown into the fiery pit, one of them says this, God can, God will, and even if he doesn't, he's still God. You hear what he's saying? God can today, God will tomorrow, and even if he doesn't, I will be with him. See, this Christ child brings hope. Where would we be without this hope? Where would we be without him? Hope for today, hope for your tomorrows, and hope for your forevers. Let's pray. Father, I'm very mindful that right here in this room are many people who may be in the valley, the shadow of death. But as your word declares, you comfort, and you are there, that you come alongside. And Father, this morning we want to lean on you turn to you, our hope, our healer, our deliverer. Jesus, we thank you for your word and your promises. We thank you that you never lie, that you always tell the truth. You always back it up, and that there is no limit to what you can do. And right now, in whatever situation it may be, Lord, would you rescue? Would you deliver? We thank you, Father, that you are our Savior. That when we were far, far, far away from you, 
when we were hopeless and despair, you would send your son. You would come after us. You would come after us and rescue us. We thank you that we get to celebrate. We get to rejoice this morning because of what you've done. And Father, we want to celebrate like the angels and sing and dance and rejoice because of what you've done. So we rejoice because of the hope that we have for you and you. We pray this in your name. Amen.